Welcome to Rooftop Church. This podcast is part of our Sunday sermon series, where each week we dive into the Word of God and the powerful message of Christ. If you have your Bibles with you, turn your Bibles to the book of Revelation. It is the last book in the Bible. Revelation, it is also the final chapter of the book of Revelation. So we are reading Revelation chapter two, uh, chapter 21, verses 1 through 6. And this is a reading of God's word. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made, ev- made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, And there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. Before we pray, would you turn to your neighbors and say, God is making all things new. If you're tuning in with your family at home, turn to your neighbor, turn to your husband, turn to your wife and say, God is making all things new. Amen. All right, friends, let's pray before we begin. God, we thank you for gathering all of us on this Sunday, God. It is a special Sunday today. God, we celebrate, we acknowledge, we honor the day that Jesus Christ, your son, has risen from the dead, God. Today, we proclaim your power. Proclaim, uh, today, we proclaim your love and eternal provision that you have made for us, God. God, as we have spent some time in your word, God, give us understanding, but God, also grant us the faith that our hearts and our lives may be transformed according to your will. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. How many guys love new things? How many guys enjoy new things? I don't know about you, but I love new things. Uh, New things excite me. New things make me happy. Do new things make you happy and glad? Yes, some of you guys may be. We love new clothes. We love new shoes. We love new cars, do we not? Some time ago, I went to a car wash to get my car... uh, to get my car washed, and I saw in the, uh, the car refresh- air freshener section the new car scent. So, and I guess what? I grabbed one as well because 
Who doesn't love a smell of new car? If you can't afford a new car, guess what? You buy a you know, car freshener, air freshener that will give you the sense of a new car. And, and we love new things. We love walking into a new house. We love the smell of fresh paint. We love seeing the unused kitchen. We love the brand new quartz countertop or granite uh, countertop. Uh, we love the new toilets. We love the new closets. We love new things. And it's no secret that most of us, if not all of us, love things that are new. It's as if we have this insatiable desire for newness, regardless of whether it is a household essential or uh, just luxurious item that we may not necessarily need. We just stare at once in a while. All the while, we still love things that are new. And if we can't get some things that are new, if we can't necessarily afford new things, guess what we love? We also love the idea of renovating. Some of you guys are under construction in your own homes. We love the idea of remodeling. Guess what? If I don't have the money to spend on new things, guess what? Give me the next best thing. Make the old things that I have, please refurbish them, remodel it, make it and smell new. So that we love the things that go through this process of renewal as well. See, friends, our affinity for new things is not just for inanimate objects or material goods, but it shall also apply to the relationships as well. If we could, if possible, Many of us would love the chance to start over sometimes. We would love the chance to, you know what, uh, we are married, we're happy, but we went through a lot of troubles and suffering. We would love the chance to restart. Some of us that are in, uh, even among us, friendships as well, at times, because of the challenges and because of the fallenness of our sin, we would love the chance to re-begin and restart our relationships perhaps this time filled with less drama, less hurtful words, or even for some of us, violence as well. And this certainly applies to not only human relationships, but this also applies to our relationship with God. Friends, all this to say that there is a general longing, and I, I, I might add, grieving for in all human beings that we want and we crave things that are new. And on, the, on this Resurrection Sunday, I want us to talk about the reality of heaven and the importance of having a clear understanding of the implications of the things to come, meaning things that concern not only for our lifetime here on earth, but the realities of heaven, realities of the things to come in the future. And the resurrection of Christ teaches us of that truth. And, and, and I, I, I struggled to, to pick this passage, but then God began to convey, if we want for the resurrection of Christ, that we would not have the expectation or even the hope of the reality of the future that's to come. And it's his resurrection that leads us to the hope in the renewal of all things. So let's, further, uh, let's explore further into this text as Apostle John, one known as the beloved disciple, 
and as he conveys his powerful truth. Apostle John was a man that, that died. He's the only one of the 12 original apostles that died of a natural old age, meaning he was the only one that escaped death by martyrdom. He was exiled into the island called Patmos. He had outlived all of, if not most of the other original disciples of Jesus, and he rather died peacefully here. And you know that John had seen the church prosper, thrive under his care, and that same church was scattered because the persecution of the Romans came heavy upon them. And, and this persecution, this, the idea of pressure and suffering really concerned Apostle John. So he knew that suffering could give a rise to doubts and leading to apostasy for many Christians in the first century. And he knew that some believers had already given up hope, already walked away from their faith. So he decides to write these Christians suffering for their faith and all that to encourage them to endure. And he wanted to give them a proper picture of, I'm not just asking you to wait in your suffering. I'm not asking you just to be patient in where you are. But he's giving them a clear picture. He's providing them for a concrete reality of the things to come. So this is John's interpretation of the future that is going to happen for all of human beings here. You see, in the book of Revelation, John pulls back the curtain of heaven and gives us a vision of what is happening in the heavenly realm. He begins by saying that there's a cosmic battle between God and Satan, and they're at war against each other. And according to John's vision, we're able to clarify our expectations. And he lets us know that this violent uh, fight that is between, uh, between God and Satan himself, that God will overcome the evil one. God will eventually overcome the power of Satan. And then he also says that we also will overcome the hardships that come with the life of faith. And he gets even more specific as he explains that there are new things that are coming. There are new realities that are going to be made realized in our lifetime. And he uses this language of that he says all, all old things will pass away. Pass away. When we hear the term pass away, what images do we conjure up in our heads? When we hear the phrase passing away, what do we think of? You're right. We're thinking of death. So in our, in our minds, usually passing away means, carries a connotation of, well, that means something's coming to an end. Usually that, that, that word, that phrase refers to a person's life coming to an end. But it's really interesting that Apostle John, here in this text, he uses the same phrase that signify, that refer to our humanly death. He actually used that term to describe that death itself will now pass away. Pretty ironic, and it's a bold statement. It's a concept that the early Christians and the people in the first century, this was a new concept to them. 
And John boldly exclaims, the thing that we fear the most, the thing that we are most averse to as human beings, and he says, death in itself, that will pass away. The reality that haunts us, the reality that, that, that corners us into fear and trepidation, he says, that will now pass away. And he's talking about this, not, not only the old things going away. He says now there's going to be an installment of new order in the world that we will live in. And he wants us to understand that this is completely different than what we are used to seeing here on earth. While saying the old order will pass away. He says, now there will be a new creation, installment of all things that are new. And God is a great contractor here. And I have so much respect, actually love. I have, I have so much love for general contractors because they're like magicians. You invite them into our uh, cruddy bathrooms filled with mold. You smell, there's bacteria everywhere. Uh, you, you bring a contract to uh, a kitchen that is just old and stinky, they're able to say, you know what? You, you know, I, I, we have some experience working in our, uh, in our home uh, several years ago. He was like the master. He said, you know what? Just tell me, what do you want? What do you need? All we have to do is just say what we want, what we envision. He's like, all right, done, done, done. He uh, has the power to make all things new. I imagine God as this great contractor in this text. He says, you know what? Whatever it is that you are not happy with, whatever it is that you are kind of sick of, looking at, feeling, eating, touching, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to touch. I'm going to make all things new. Church, we have a God that is committed to making all things new. Amen. All right. Amen. All right. So let me unpack here practically what does that mean. And the goal of my sermon today is to provide more concrete picture and to set correct and biblical expectation of the reality of heaven. Because some of us, we don't know. Some of us, our understanding of heaven is limited to when Jesus comes, when the trumpets blow, when Jesus will come swinging that sword, riding on the white horse, and then something like rapture will happen, and then we will all be zapped from where we are, naked or clothed. We will be zapped from heaven, but we, uh, zapped from earth, and we will be dropped off somewhere, someplace good. And the rest is history. We don't know when the judgment takes place. We don't know heaven is... Is it going to be here? Is it going to be uh, in the sky? Uh, will there be a unification of the people that have gone before us? So hopefully today uh, you will have a somewhat a healthier expectation of the reality that's to come, made possible through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? First reality that we should expect, first thing is this, God is going to make us spiritually and morally new. Talk with me. Spiritual renewal. Moral renewal. When Jesus comes in the new heaven, in the new kingdom of God, God promises us that we will be made new, that our hearts, that our spirits may be, uh, uh, will be made completely new. If you were to ask me, Scott, what is your greatest frustration? What are you most anxious about 
I would have to say it's my propensity to continue to sin. It's my inability that can never reconcile that I am forever sinful, and, there's, when I, and I will forever see blemishes in my heart and in my spirit. And the greatest frustration that many people, all of us carry this, uh, to this age is that we will continue to sin. We want to be holy, but we fall short of the holiness that we long for. We want to love, but we find ourselves often saying hurtful things. Things. We want to worship, but we feel cold at times. We want to walk in peace, but our hearts are constantly filled with anger and bitterness. And that is exactly what promises, uh, what, what God promises when He says he's, He will make all things new. God says, Scott, God says, my children, I will make your heart pure. I will make your spirit clean and presentable. And the imagery that God uses in describing that renewal is just like a bride on the day of the wedding. Some of you guys are married. In fact, many of you guys are married in this place. I imagine a lot of you guys joining into service online. You are married as well. Do you remember the day of your wedding? Some of you gentlemen here, do you remember the day of your wedding? Do you remember that first look? I thought it was so cheesy, right? Like, hey, Scott, stand here. Make sure you don't turn around. And, and they build this incredible hype, right? The, 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 what is it? The, the expectations, like you have no idea, and you're, you're not supposed to cheat and, and, and get a glimpse of her prior to that first look. And you do that, and you have no idea. You know she's there, right? You, when you finally turn around, for the first time, seeing your wife in the beautiful white dress. It's white because it's supposed to represent what? Perfection, purity, without any blemish. There's no sin in your life, uh, not, not life, what in your wife. There's no anger in your wife. There's no nagging in your wife. There's no frustration in your wife that's towards you that's to come in the future. At that moment, your wife, perfect presentable, without any blemish. And that's the image that God paints for us, that we will one day be made without any imperfection, without a speck that we would not love. When God makes all things new, he makes the church, he makes the people of God spiritually and morally beautiful for his son. Second, God is going to make us new, new both physically and bodily, okay? The, the Bible doesn't really teach us that the final state of glory is one of disembodied spirits, meaning uh, this notion of ghosts, smoke. And some of you guys may have thought when rapture happens that we're going to just, our, our bodies disappear and we just become uh, spirits and ghosts just kind of floating around. And some of you guys, I know you have these legit concerns because I do the same thing. God, if my physical body is disappeared, that means I can't eat anymore. You guys ever think that way? And I, I, I get concerned, like, I can no longer enjoy the things that I would enjoy here on earth. See, the Bible doesn't tell us that our bodies will disappear 
the, according to Apostle John here, that we are promised renewed form of bodies. In the same way that Jesus had a renewed form of body, when he rose from the dead, when he was resurrected, he was given a perfect body. In verse 4 of today's passage, John conveys these truths. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no longer any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. What that means is that the pain and the anguish that is associated with the destructible bodies that we now live in, all of those pains will now disappear. This is what Apostle John conveys in the book of, first, uh, in the book of Philippians chapter 3. He says, By the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, he will now transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Friends, this means the body that you and I know of right now Bodies that are prone to having dramatic deformities. Your body, my body, that will one day become so old when our bodily functions will no longer be able to work properly. Uh, some have lost limbs. Some have been paralyzed. Some can't hear. Some can't see. All of these imperfections on the day of our resurrection, God promises that our bodies will be made new as well. Third, on the day of renewal, God is going to also make the creation new and glorious. He promises not only our physical bodies will be changed, he says our surroundings will change as well. And everything, uh, God will renovate the whole thing, meaning everything, uh, he put, uh, Paul puts it like this in Romans chapter 8, verse 21, the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the liberty of the glory of the children of God. He promises that the glory of his people will be accompanied by a glorious creation to live in. As our bodies have been made renewed, as we have been given new forms, Right? And it says the environment also will change. Everything will be made new. So God will make us new spiritually and morally. God will make us new physically. And God will also make the whole creation new. And lastly, on the day of God's kingdom, being real here on earth. Lastly, God will make our relationship with him new and glorious. Listen to these words in verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. Well, these are encouraging words and statements of truth indeed. But some of us may be asking the question, 
Well, isn't God already with us? Isn't God already among us? Aren't we already promised? Aren't we already living in the fullness of God's presence with us? It's true that God is with us now. It's true that His Spirit dwells in us. That's all true. And it's true that Jesus promised us that He will never leave us to the end of the age. But also it's true that God Himself is not physically with us. God himself physically is no longer with us in this time. Listen to what Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians. Listen to these words. While we are at home in the body, meaning we are at home in the body here, we are away from the Lord. Here we walk by faith and not by sight. Paul clearly conveys that our bodies are here, but we are away from the Lord. That conveys that... uh, that, that, that Jesus himself is not really among us. There is a separation of, because of the reality, when Jesus ascended to heaven upon resurrection, and we are here living our lives, there is the reality where he's with us, but we're not really, he's not really with us here. But on the day of God's return, the day of the new kingdom, when Jesus Christ comes, he says, now he, he, he will dwell among us. His dwelling, his tabernacle, his meeting place will now be established here in the new kingdom. Emmanuel, God with us. And that is a painful, painful state right now that we see. We, we wish that we would be closer to God. We wish that God would never leave us. We, we would wish that, that God didn't feel so distant from us. And he promises us in the, new he- in the new heaven, in the new kingdom to be had, that God will be among us. His dwelling place, his tabernacle will now be made among here with us. Emmanuel, God, with us. Let me recap today's message here. On this day of Jesus' resurrection, on Easter Sunday, what things can we look forward to? What renewal can we look forward to? What benefits, what privileges are we holding on to on this beautiful day? So let me recap some of the things that God is able to make new in our lives. Again, he will make us spiritually and morally new, meaning you and I will one day be pure, spotless, and without any flaws. Second, he will give us a body like the body of his resurrected glory. Third, he will renew all creation to take all pain and all evil out of it. And he promises us in the new world that's to come, there's no more pain, there's no more suffering, there's no more anxiety, there's no more bitterness, and all of the relationships that you will see and shall experience will be in a perfect form. And perhaps the most important truth here, in the new kingdom to come, He promises that he himself will be upon us, that we shall see him face to face, that we will be 
his people, and God himself will be with us, and he will be our God. And we take comfort in knowing that that's what's waiting for us. On this day where we praise God for sending us his son, on the day that we celebrate the empty tomb, what are we really expecting to see? What are we really looking forward to experiencing in the days and the age to come? We look forward to that. You know what this does to me? If my life right now is not as bearable, if the relationships that I have in my life bring me more pain and stress rather than joy and peace, I'm able to wait. I'm able to endure just a little bit more. If my body is stricken with illness, discomfort, and we have these nagging injuries that we're dealing with, guess what? We look forward to the day where our bodies will no longer suffer. If we feel, for whatever reasons, that we feel a little bit more distant from God than we should, we look forward to the day where we will never have that feeling of emptiness. We will never have that sense of dryness or longing that we have of God like we do now. That is our hope. That is the picture of heaven that you and I are privileged and blessed to cling on to every single day of our lives. Amen? Friends, I encourage you, I exalt you, I charge you with these words. Let us cling to the power of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.